You are listening to the Saved from Death podcast. Please listen to all episodes in their correct numerical order. You can find a full list of episodes in their correct order by visiting savedfromdeath.com or savedfromdeath.net. To contact Jason Holman, send email to savedfromdeathcontact at gmail.com. Hello to everyone who's listening. My name is Jason Holman, and you are listening to the Save from Death podcast. Uh, this should be episode five, and um, this will be a continuation of my story of how God led me to fear him, how God brought me into the fear of God. Um, now, actually, that story was pretty much wrapped up in the last episode, but there's still more to share uh, of what God was getting ready to do uh, with the remainder of that year, and then what happened after um, w- when that year came to an end. And um, so we should be wrapping up um, hopefully within the next hour, hour and a half, and then uh, we can move into kind of the next phase of all of this. Uh, thank you for bearing with me. Uh, well, I hope it wasn't bearing with me. I really do hope that um, God was or is in you listening. And um, and uh, you you probably either know that or you don't, and maybe not. Maybe you are listening, you know, and you don't really feel something deep, but yet you're here, you're interested, and you're trying to find out, you know, is God in this or... You know, don't don't worry about it. Um, you don't just you know just listen. Let God lead. Um, he'll lead you by listen. This is very important to understand. If I ever come across and say something, and I put a pressure on you, or I, or I throw you, if any ever say anything that throws you in any kind of condemnation, okay, uh, know immediately. You no, know, you discard that. You throw that away. And um, I I need to be rebuked for that. I don't ever want to throw you under a bus under the, some kind of expectation or condemnation. Um, I hope you take very seriously. If God is in this, I want you to recognize that. And I want you to recognize the importance of that moment. You know, uh, the scripture says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts as you did in a provocation in the wilderness. Um, I, I want you to understand the, the uh, magnitude of what's going on. If God is really speaking to you, if he has your heart and I don't want you to treat that lightly. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. But at the same time, I don't want to throw you under some condemnation or some expectation where if you got something else you got to tend to, you know, a prior obligation. And you're like, oh, but, you know, Jason said if I treat this lightly that I might lose out. No, no, no. God's for you, okay? He, he's not trying to trip you up. The only reason he needs to know, the only reason he's got to wait and see how you respond to this, I, it's not so he can, you know, catch you off guard and ha ha, got you, you want nothing to do with this. Not at all. He's hoping, he's yearning, he's rooting for you. He already knows the outcome, actually. Um, but he's rooting for you. And so he's not here to make this difficult. He's here to make this as easy as possible, except um, he just needs to know, does he have your permission? He wants to know you want this. Um, he does not, he will not force himself on you. And so anytime I'm going to express caution in how you hear, I'm going to express, make sure you're careful with what you're doing with what's before you right now. It's not to throw you in a place of condemnation or expectation. God will never move in anybody's life in that position. You will never move closer to God by trying to escape condemnation. He will always resist you. He will always push you away because you're not coming to him in faith. You're not coming to God recognizing him for who he is. You're not seeing the God of love, the God of no expectation. 
You're seeing a God, a false God. You're seeing a God of expectation, and that's the root of your condemnation. You're trying to escape condemnation because your condemnation exists in your belief that God has an expectation. And uh, the the more you try to undo your condemnation, the greater your condemnation is going to be, and the further God is going to resist you. He will not reward you when you come to him with um, a a belief of, of who he's not and um, or, or with a false understanding of who he is. And um, nor do we want him to. You understand there, there's nothing God is going to do. God is going to do is going to be unfair. That's going to be based in anything other than goodness and love. I assure you of that. Um, that's a God I now know. That's a God I now serve. And I'm so glad today to serve this God because it's not really the God I started out serving 17 years ago. Um, it was the same God. Uh, I just didn't yet know him. But he was patiently, lovingly going to lead me to the day in which I did know him. And so now I get to share this God with you. What a privilege. Um, what an exciting honor to, to think if um, God is, by chance, getting ready to use this recording and um, use me. Um, it will be a joy. It re- really will be a great joy um, to to have the honor of helping some of God's other children come to the knowledge of who he is. And um, I'll be glad to have gone before you for all these years. And uh, you won't have to bear 17 years. Um, and that, that's really good news for you. But um, And so I'll be glad to help you out, introduce you to this God, the God I've come to know, the God that is a joy and a delight to know, and a God who is so wise and so loving beyond our imagination. Um, and so, anyway, so if you ever feel any kind of condemnation is something I say, and um, you're, you feel like you're trying to live up to an expectation, you know, that's the time you need to stop. You need to pull back. And you go, no, just drop it. Drop everything. Let God then come back and pull your heart again. Um, so, Because he's not going to respond to condemnation. You make sure it's always desire. God will always lead us by desire. Always. It's got to be by desire and desire only. Um and uh, we'll, we'll explain why that is and why that all works. Um, and we're going to be getting into that. Hopefully, we'll start some of this towards the next episode, getting into the real meat of the goodness of, of God's plan and what it was all about. So um, anyway, with that said, you know, let's go ahead and move on. I'm going to finish the story um, of God leading me to the fear of God. And, uh, and so I think we left off. I had my revelation of um, it was when I... There when I said yes, I said yes to God um, in regards to staying at First Assembly of God. I was able to say, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. And I meant it because he'd worked in my heart. And he actually, through his own, um, he had to wait long enough to make sure that that I really did want to stay in his will. Even though it wasn't my will to stay at First Assembly, it was my will to keep pleasing God. It was my will to stay in a place of his pleasure. I did not want to leave that place. And so all I could do is say, God, help me, you know, make it my will to, to, if it's your will, then please put your will in me and overpower my will. Make, give me a desire to stay because I'm willing to do that. Um, and he answered that prayer and then he pulled back later and said, you're done. He goes, all right. I, 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 so I was able to say, yes, I'll stay. I was willing to stay. And then God immediately within, um, a matter of a few days said, okay, you're done. Um, and then he was going to then lead me a few months later, out of that position entirely. But um, a few more things that happened just in the midst of this. Um, I'm still in the midst of that fast, and that's going to look, end on October 30th. 
And I remember the night it ended because we were actually preparing for what would be called our fall fling, our fall festival, First Temple of God. It was a big Halloween uh, alternative. Um, and it was a whole lot of work. But the night before, people would come set up. And I remember we had um, Little Caesars pizzas there for everybody. And I, um, before, I was still in the midst of my fast. So uh, I was going to break my fast for the final night. And uh, um, when, when it was time to eat, and I remember before that happened, before I ate, I went to my office. It was just such, it was weird. It was just so relaxing. It was so, um, so much, I don't know, such deep. It's like I could have melted. I think I was kneeling down. I'm pretty sure of it. And I could have melted into my chair. It was just a sense of, ah, it's God. You know what? I don't, I had no direction from God what I was to do. And that really didn't matter at that point. There was no like clear, you were supposed to do this. But here's what was real in my heart at that time. It was God. I don't know what you want from me, what your desire is for me. I have no idea. All I know now is I am yours. I am yours. You can do whatever you want with me. You have the reins of my life. Take it. I will go. I will just follow. You just lead the way. And I meant it. And there was nothing hard there. There was nothing um, hard about it. It was was truly a, a real desire of my heart. And uh, once again, let me let me throw in here, and um, I'm sorry if I repeat myself on some of these things. It's just important to know, if you're listening right now, there's a good chance that you're hearing me, and you're actually hearing me in a positive tone. You're hearing what I'm telling you, excuse me, you're actually listening, and you're held here. You know there's something special going on, but even as you're listening to me, you're not really able to relate. When I'm telling you about bowing before God... And really saying, you have my will. My will is your will. You know, just take me. You lead me. Any place you want, I go. I just follow. Um, and to me, that was so easy to say. And it's so, and it's still true to this day. But you're listening to that and you go, oh, I know that's right. I know what he's saying is right. But you can't really identify with that desire. To you, that'd be kind of forced, wouldn't it? To really say, yes, God, I'll go anywhere you want to go. And really mean it. And to just truly, you're giving up all your rights to your pursuit of good, to your pursuit of a way of life, and you totally entrust it to the hand of God. Um, it, most likely for many, or maybe all of you, that, that, that'd be, that's not natural right now. And, and so you're listening, you're hearing me, and you hear the life flowing out of me as I discuss these things. And, um, and yet in yourself, maybe you're kind of condemned because you're going, I don't really feel that though myself. And that's okay. You, you can't feel that. This was not me. I didn't produce this. That's unnatural. It's not really a natural desire for a person who, who's born into the world, who has a desire for good and wants to seek good to say, oh, you know what's good? I'm going to give up my whole life and give my will over to God and just do whatever he says. Um, that's not natural. But it is if God comes in and takes his power, his will, because and he overpowers your will, and I gave him permission to do that, and that's what he's going to be doing. So from this point on, there's really not going to be a lot of hard choices in my life. Pretty much none. There were things that were uncomfortable briefly, and some things that like uh, that were um, that came maybe at a great cost, I suppose. But it was not a hard decision to make. The decision was always easy. It was natural. It was my desire. And it was my desire because God had the rights to kind of overpower me, lead me by his Holy Spirit, and to take me everywhere I needed to go step by step to bring me to this place 17 years later where I would be ready to approach the tree of life and truly eat from the fruit and um, and benefit from the fruit of that tree. Um, 
And so, and I will tell you what the tree of life is later on. All right. That I'm not um, trying to be aggravating there by skipping over that. It's just, we will lead up to that, uh, of what that is and what that means when I say I'm eating from the tree of life. So, um, uh, anyway, um, so anyway, um, this is all, this is all of God. It really is. Every bit of this is of God. The only thing I've done in this entire thing is give God my permission. And there's nothing noble about that. There's nothing. It just means I recognized it myself is good. So good that I was willing to pursue it above all else. And, um, and so I consent to it. I recognize it as good. I said, God, that's where I want to go. Whatever it takes. I know you're taking me someplace good. I want to go to that good place. Um, and not even knowing what the good place was. I had no idea what that meant. I just trusted my God. He had worked at, put a trust in me so I could say that. So don't be condemned if you can't say that. Okay. That's okay. That that's not probably the path God is going to bring you. You're not probably going to bow your knee consciously the same way I did in my life and be able to say that and say it honestly. Um, and so just, just understand that don't, don't judge where you're at by what I'm telling you. You're not going to be able to mimic this. This is not going to become your position. Uh, it's very unlikely. That's okay. God, he doesn't need it to bring you in. He has a plan of, of getting you to the same place he's brought me. Um, so, um, so after that, um, you know, I had my release from first assembly and I essentially passed what I would call my great Abraham test. Um, and I'll, and I say test, it wasn't like God was impressed. It was just now he knew Jason, I now can bless you. I can work in your life. I now have the right to come in and I'm going to lead you where I want to take you. And you've given me permission to do that, to overrun kind of your own desire. So I can by my desire lead you. And, um, and, uh, so what was, um, Oh, I guess I'll backtrack a little more than I meant to, because then, then I had the time of knee, bowing my knee uh, October 30th. God, my will is now your will. And it, it was so, like I said, so much pl- pleasure in that. So my heart was so, I couldn't have imagined living my own life anymore, of living by my own will. It just wasn't even fathomable that I'd go back to such, it was never a challenge after that to walk the road I was going to walk. My fate was set. It was sealed. My My heart was fixed. Um, and then what's going to happen next is the next significant thing here. Um, that it's, I mean, there are a few other important things in my mind, but probably not important to actually share, um, eat up time, sharing it with you, except this, I need to go to the place. Um, it, it happened in early December, maybe, I don't know if December 5th would be an accurate day. It's really close that time frame, December 5th or 6th, 2003. Um, something incredible was getting ready to happen. And, uh, it actually wasn't something incredible was getting ready to happen. It's, I was getting ready to recognize the incredible thing that had happened in my life. God was getting ready to show me, um, something that had happened. And, um, and how this all started was, um, I, my wife and my daughter, um, had an event, I guess, probably something with the church, some ladies meeting or something. And so my wife went, she took my um, little girl with her that night. And that left me home by myself, um, or not by myself, but with um, just my little, um, my young son, um, who wasn't quite yet a year old. And um, that night I sat down at his old blue rocker recliner and um, I sat down in that recliner and um, I was going to, I had my son in my arms. He was kind of, he was real content that night. It was just very pleasant. I had my son and I had my Bible. 
And um, I was going to read scripture that night. And um, I, I decided I was going to, it was kind of a big choice for me. I was actually going to read from the book of Romans. Now, you got to understand why this is so, this was a big choice for me. It was because, you know, I didn't like the book of Romans. Um, I was kind of, had always clung. I never could reconcile, I'll be honest. You know, some of the words of Jesus, like, take up your cross and follow me, store up your treasures in heaven. And I could never reconcile, you know, the Jesus that seemed to have demands or appeared to. And then the gospel of what the church was interpreting, Paul is saying, well, you know what? We, we really can't meet all these demands. God really doesn't expect all that of us. He just wants us to do the best we can or whatever that is. And we're covered by the blood of Jesus. And, um, and so that never gospel never really settled with me. But at the same time, they used, you know, it seemed like the words of Paul, the verses of Paul, the apostle, and the Romans especially, to, to justify and endorse um, and I say Romans, I know Ephesians was also a, a big part of their um, backing for that so-called gospel as well. Um, and so I'd always kind of been resistant, you know, to the book of Romans. And just because it seemed like it was a big part of what was used to promote something that I just couldn't quite understand or grasp. So Romans always, you know, kind of turned me off. A lot of it, I just didn't understand it. It just seemed it was weird in some ways. Um, and so, but on this night, you know, I made a decision. This was part of me wanting truth, part of me understanding I couldn't stay in my comfort zones of what my traditional preferences were. I, I wanted God. I didn't just want to stay where things were comfortable. And if Romans was the word of God, and if it was true, then I needed to know what it said. And I needed to understand how it was going to fit in my life and, and what God was really saying there. I had to be, you know, be willing to honestly receive whatever it was that was there in the book of Romans. And um, and so I was going to, so I opened up the Bible with the intent of reading from Romans that night. And by some, I, you know, I'll say random chance, but it wasn't random chance at all. By the hand of God, divinely ordered, um, um, I was, I decided to open up to Romans chapter 8. And why Romans chapter 8? I don't know. I guess I was familiar enough with Romans, maybe, because I knew a few verses in Romans chapter 8. Um, but just a few verses. It wasn't like the whole chapter really stuck out as something super important in my life. It just, maybe it was just the most convenient place. I'm, I'm trying to use, it was the Holy Spirit in me leading me to read Romans. I have no doubt of that. God himself was leading me to Romans 8. But I don't know what logic he used in my mind that actually made that where I went chose to go that night but but it is what i chose was romans chapter eight now then something happens right before i read scripture and this is significant too because it's going to set the stage for reading romans chapter eight and this is what i'm telling you is real these things really happen it's not like after the fact i'm concocting a story of trying to make this you know seem dramatic or um a, a better than it is but but this this really happened this was a true order of events was before I decided to read Romans chapter 8, I actually just sort of leaned back in my chair and I remember closing my eyes and I was started, I became very aware, um, almost like for the first time, really truly aware of all that had transpired in my life since May of 2003. I became very aware of the deep, deep changes within me. And I just sat back for a little bit and started really examining what is what is the cause of all this change? What really happened to me? How did I go from point A to point B? And so I started evaluating some of these changes. 
And um, and here here's just a few of them that I remember specifically thinking of that night. And one of them was, you know, God, I used to be a man. I hated prayer. Prayer was work. It, it was a hard thing to do. I never, I would do it, but it was never real. It was always, um, you know, I always had to uh, conjure up excitement or strength for it. It wasn't something I really desired to do. It was something I hated doing that I felt an obligation to do. But um, in light of what you've done in me, it's like right now prayer flows from me 24-7. It's the natural um, outflow of my life. And it, it's just there with me constantly. Um, and the same thing in regards to scripture. I, you know, honestly tell you, I did not like the Bible. The Bible was a dull book. It does not appeal to a natural man. It is, um, it, it's, I had to force myself to read it. You don't have to force yourself to read the Chronicles of Narnia, um, or, uh, a John Grisham book or, um, something like that. You have to, those things come natural, Louis Lamore, whatever your preference, um, preferred author is you, those things are natural. It's part of your natural desire. Scripture isn't really, there's no natural desire to read scripture. Now I know some with a, a, a uh, I don't want to be critical of people and judgmental people, but I understand there's, but there is spiritual pride that can make people say, oh, I like reading Bible. And, um, and yet the very fact you're proud you did read the Bible indicates that you really don't like it. The reason you're proud you read the Bible is because you know it's a hard thing to do. You know it's a not a natural thing to do. Um, no one's proud that they read Stephen King. No one's proud that they read um, Louis Amore. You don't go, oh, I'm proud today I read Louis Amore and, and posted on Facebook, let people know you spent your time in um, uh, reading a um, you know fictional book. We're not proud of that because it takes no natural, it takes no unnatural strength. Um, but to read scripture, we're proud of that. Why are we proud? Because it's not natural. We don't like it. We can say that. Let's be honest right here. Okay, let's get this out in the open. Let's, man, let's, let's give God a chance to move in our life. God moves in truth. God moves in honesty, okay? That's where God's at. He's in the honesty. He's not going to be in the lie. So don't disguise this truth right now, okay? Um, go ahead and just be honest, and there, there may be exceptions. There may be certain people in a certain place where God does actually put in you a supernatural desire. But I assure you, it's him. And if he's doing that, if you're in a season like that where your scripture is just you're hungry for it, truly hungry, where you just can't get enough of it, um, then, you know, take note of that. Pay attention to it. Don't treat that lightly. Because I assure you, that's not because you're just super spiritual of your own or you're just wise and just happen to love the Bible. No, the Bible is on purpose written to be a very not fun book in the natural. It only becomes alive and living when God himself enters into you and starts to reveal to you the truth of what's there. Only then can that book become a living book. So I encourage you, if you're listening and you don't like Bible, be honest. Say, you know what? Yeah, it just kind of sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, It's like pulling teeth. Sit down and read that book and try to conjure up excitement about it. And I'm doing it as a duty. I'm doing it strictly because I think it impresses God or maybe other people expect it of me. But I personally would much rather be doing, doing something else. It's okay to say that, all right? God's not surprised by it. He's not disappointed by it. He already knows it. And it's set up on purpose to be that way. That's the thing. It's actually designed by nature, by God, to be that kind of book. To be where you're you're not going to like it. Um until he comes in and supernaturally, truly uh, gives you a desire for it because he begins to reveal what it is. Um, so anyway, but that was one of the changes in my life was scripture was, God, what's going on? I actually like this book. And when I say like it, I mean, it was there. I had no desire for any other 
book. I wasn't using other Christian books anymore. I was done. I laid them all aside. I wasn't uh, really interested in any fiction books at that time. I, when I would go out and sit on my deck, I wanted my Bible. When I would sit in my recliner, I wanted my Bible. And I loved every bit of it and could not get enough and um, was starving for it. Um, and so I'm thinking, God, what, what's the cause of that? Why, why did that happen? There was a couple other changes. Um, now, one of them I thought that night, which really now turns out didn't have to do as much with being filled with the Spirit as um, I once thought. It was it had to do with lust, you know, because this all started out. This journey was, you know, because I was trying to fight that battle with that part of my life that that hungered for um, what we'll call pornography. That word word seems real strong in a way, but I guess that's what you know some would call it. So, um. I, I, my hunger to see things that, you know, I, I didn't think I was supposed to see. Um, and so trying to fight that area of my life. Well, I've come to, I came to a place where even my desire for that was like, what happened, God? You know, that desire is gone and desire for when I notice other ladies and, and things like that and have desire for, um, um, other women, other than my wife. It's like, that's gone. I'm content with my wife. And, and so, um, and now the contentment part of that probably was part of what God was getting ready to show me in Romans. But the part of actually, you know, not looking at things any longer, um, actually, I thought it was because this power of sin was broken. But really, I'll be honest, what had happened with that wasn't really some power of sin broken. It was because I now had a fear of God. And so to me, um, even though if the dead, honest part of my heart would have been, Jason, would you still like to look at that? It'd be like, probably, all right? I wouldn't have wanted to admit that, but it was probably still there. But what had happened was I didn't even entertain the thought because in my heart, I wanted to please God. And I saw that as something that didn't please God. And so it was by my own strength and choosing. I said, no, I won't do that. And so I had a reason, a motivation not to do it that was stronger than the desire to do it. And so it was truly my recognition of who God was. Because um, so, there's this idea in Christianity that all these bad things, we just can't help doing. We can't help it. We, 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 we're not supposed to look at pornography, but we want to. And we just can't help it um, because we're sinners. Uh, we, we can't help it. We watch that television show. We really, um, you know, uh, should, God doesn't want us to. And I know I shouldn't, but I just can't help it because I'm a sinner. Uh, I know I shouldn't go out and get drunk, I, but I just can't help it. I'm a sinner. I shouldn't gossip, but I just can't help it. I'm a sinner. Well, that has nothing to do with the power of sin or what Roman, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7 of being, we just do what we don't want to do. That had nothing to do with that. We do those things by, because we don't have, because we desi- our desire to do it is greater than our motivation of a reason not to do it. We have not yet seen God. If we see God and we truly believe, no, he's offended and we respect the fact that he's offended, our desire to do those things will then be, um, will be overcome by our desire to not do them. But since we don't have that motivation, we don't have that vision of God yet, we don't have that uh, perception that there's a that there is somebody bigger than me, our desire to do those things is what rules our life. And so we do them, and then we feel guilty about them and condemned about them, and we, we think it's because we're on some power of we just can't help it. We use that as an excuse uh, when that's really not the case. Um, but anyway, so that was that, but that was something else that night I was noticing that... Um, Wow, I'm actually content with my wife. I'm actually not longing for, you know, to to look at things like I once was, uh, want, like I was before. Um, and then there was one more. This was a uh, stuck out as well. It had to do with the way I treated what I would call people of low degree. And I even hate to use that term, 
but um but just for the sake of clarity um that's term we'll use you know as a as a a church staff member as a pastor at a church that was fairly i mean on a larger size as far as churches goes that was six to eight hundred people it um you know you have a lot of different people come to the doors and you have you know your people that are uh well dressed and um upper class people and then you'll have your average people and then you'll have your low degree people that are people that are riding in on a bus uh maybe they have a little bit of a smell their clothes aren't very nice their hair is not uh is kept up and um you know i would in i would intermingle with those people before all of this but it was always with uh you know i felt like i was stooping down to them i felt like you know i'm i'm high aren't aren't i so spiritual by doing this kindness of stooping down to your level and um you know i look back it's terrible it's like a disgusting part of my life when i see that reality was in me but it was there and it would also be you know you're you're or you're you're intermingling but you're kind of at the corner of your eye you're kind of hoping that other people notice how kind you're being to these people of low degree that you want people to notice how humble you are how and you want god to notice how humble you are um and so yes it's really really it's a really disgusting part of our um sinful humanity a part of who we are before god can come and work in our life um but here's the you know because of what god was doing in me this was really i mean this was a sincere change like it, we if we had a, a breakfast um or i remember being a sunday school breakfast I actually went to uh one of the classes um in between my church services and one of them because one was having a breakfast for the young adults and i remember going in to take part in that and there was this couple of people there that that were clearly i mean kind of i can't say everybody was intentionally avoiding them but they weren't being sought out and uh, they were clearly people of what would be lower degree um um, would appear to be uneducated i think smokers uh, probably smelled of smoke and just uh, and that's not knocking anybody out there smoking. I'm not here to, I'm just trying to paint a picture and sorry if I use, um, wrong terminology. Um, but, um, and so, so anyway, just they, they were not a sought after people, but I remember the funny thing was I wanted to be there with them. Okay. When I say that, um, wanted, that's what I meant. I wanted by my desire in my heart, that's where I wanted to be. There was no other place I, I, I didn't care to be with, you know, what I thought were the cooler people before. That that was just not my appeal. It wasn't mean I was despising them either. I just really like, I was comfortable among these people. It was like, and I wasn't stooping down to them. They were like, they were my equals. It was just that thought was not in me. It was something that was very, it was very nice. It was very pleasant. It was surprisingly pleasant part of my life that something had changed. And so I'm thinking about that thought. I'm thinking about that change. God, what what is the cause of all of this? So I'm sitting in my recliner, Bible in my lap, baby in my arms, and I'm thinking, God, what is the root of all of this? What's happened to me? Please. Um, I can't say I was really saying please because it, it, it wasn't like I was really, really looking for an answer. It was just I just happened to be thinking of it. I was really just dwelling on it. And it was very pleasant. It's like, wow, something has changed in my life. And uh, this is just amazing. And um, so I was being thankful for it. I was, and I had, I promise you, I had no connection to these thoughts and to thinking the answer lied before me. It just, there was no connection. There was no try premeditating to conjure up something I would later, you know, be able to tell a, a story about. Um, but little did I know right before me was going to be my answer. It was going to be in Romans chapter eight. And so let me read here a little bit from Romans and um, I'll tell you just kind of when things um begin to dawn on me 
I was reading Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and I was probably reading, honestly, I probably would have been in interna- New International Version at that time in my life, um, but I'm reading from the King James right now. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. All right, there's a moment of ding, 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 a light starting to come on. Wait a second. I started to realize the righteousness of the law. I was starting to walk naturally, you know, by the, the law. It wasn't actually a law over me, but I was starting naturally to walk according to um, what I thought was the law of God and what, what was actually pleasing to God and who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And all of a sudden, oh, the spirit, there, there's, I'm walking after the spirit. Something's, um, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because a carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so I begin to see, Jason, what happened here was a transition. You were walking in the flesh before all this. But right now, there's a spirit inside you, the spirit of God. And you're walking by that spirit. And it's actually, you know, dictating. It's actually leading your life. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, I can't pretend I understood every line I was reading. There was just certain things going to stick out. Um, I just knew that this was kind of revealing to me, the change in my heart. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Now, I should say that in the midst of this, my heart is actually starting to beat uh, really uh, I'm getting very excited. I'm just, I'm really realizing I'm starting to discover the change in my life. Um, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. And right there, I think, is about the place I stopped reading. I stopped reading because I had to get up. I had to get up because I had to dance. I, with my son in my arms, folks, I'm not kidding, I literally danced all over the room I was in and shouted and was filled with praises to God like never before in my life um, and filled with a joy I'd never known. It was a joy it wasn't really going to leave me. It was a joy it was going to abide, but it was a very, very intense moment of joy at that moment, so maybe a little more intense, uh, so maybe it did settle down just some, but um, it was extreme joy. It was extreme rejoicing because I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that Jason Holman was the son of God. Because the Spirit was bearing witness with my spirit. God's Spirit was bearing witness with my spirit that we are the children of God. Um, I'd lived my whole life, you know, always kind of wanting in a way, hungry. Didn't realize I was hungry for it, to know that I was known of God. You know, you're part of um, 
the religious institution. And it's always about, you know, God loves you and uh, you just got to believe it, accept it. And it's not a lot of fun when you're having to make yourself believe it, having to make yourself accept it. Um, and, and, and so um, it's one thing to know God. It's another thing to be known of God. And uh, I realized, you know, in my life, I didn't want to just know of God. I wanted to be known by him. And um, when I was age seven, I'd had this supposed experience. Maybe I can tell you about this some other time of when I supposedly spoke in tongues and I was filled with the Holy Ghost and uh, according to my church's doctrine and things like that. And um, I speak in tongues there after any time I wanted. Um, but, you know, there was no life in that. There was no power in that. There was nothing that affected my life. It always left me kind of like, is that really it? Oh, man, this left me knowing for sure that I was a son of God. I knew that I was his child. I knew that he himself lived inside me. And it was confirming to me back and forth, I was a son of God. I was a son of God. Um, and so that um, was the moment. What essentially happened, there, that, that is not the moment I was filled with the spirit of God. That was the moment, I don't know when you trace back, when I really came to a place of just, there was a transition between death and life. But that moment right there was when God allowed me to actually see it. He allowed me to know, Jason Holman, yes, a change has happened in your life because a drastic change has happened. My spirit is in you, my very spirit. You are my son. And I knew at that moment it would never change. I knew once again, I mean, I was on a trajectory. It was not going to, there was no going back. And, um, and I admit there was the slightest, tiniest bit of fear that just maybe tomorrow, you know, I wake up and maybe this is, you know, maybe just a sturdy motion, but that did not prove to be true. That spirit of God was real and it's abided with me continually for 17 years. Now it's going to definitely change its intensity. As I, I go on along, tell you the story, I'll tell you what happened in my life, but we're, we, you know, we're not going to do that in this next session. That'll be later, later down the road. We got other things to cover first. Um, I can share with you how, um, I'm going to go through, God's going to have to pull back his spirit. He's not going to be able to give me that spirit of approval as he's working in my life to bring me to the knowledge of who he is. Um, but for many, many weeks and months, um, possibly in a couple of years, I'm going to live in a fullness of God that just mo every moment of my life is nothing but joy. There's no fear. There's nothing but really love flowing out of me. And, um, and so um, it... Oh, it seemed like there's something else I was wanting to say about all that. Um, well, I, I, I guess I'll, if I remember it, we'll, we'll go back to it. But, um, and so that moment I knew I was known of God. Oh, oh, this is what it was. There was just one other thing that did happen at night. That was kind of, cause I had a boldness at that point. I had this confidence that, oh, he does know me. I knew that God knew me. I knew that I was his son. And that night after my wife, she gets back from a, whatever she was out with my daughter with, and she comes in at some point that evening and, um, I'm sitting in the chair and all she, she starts, uh, she starts holding her stomach with Jason and she had this bad pain. Um, and it, it was fairly intense. And, and I just remember it was like that night and this hadn't really ever happened since in our life or maybe once or twice, but I remember it was just, there was confidence. I'm a son of God. You know, he hears, he knows what I need. And I remember laying hands on her and God, you know, your child's asking you, you know, heal my wife, um, give her this pain. And, um, that was pretty much it. And all of a sudden she just looks at me and goes, Oh, it stopped. 
um, which was kind of a neat confirmation that night. Just, just Jason, Jason. Yes, I know you. Yes, this is me. I am in you. And, uh, and so, like I said, that wasn't not going to be the norm of life after that. But that night, it was a, a, a neat um, confirmation. It was a, a neat part of that evening. Um, so anyway, so after um, all of, let's see. So I'm gonna. That's gonna become a reality in my life. And now here is gonna be the problem. This is where um, God is in me, and a newness of life comes upon me, and that was wonderful. And I could have abided in that wonderfulness for for forever, except Jason Holman had to know something. I had to know. Okay, this is great, but why? Why did this happen to me? What did I do? What formula? Did I actually, you know, follow that allowed God by his spirit to come in me? Certainly there's a formula. Um, and so it wasn't like I in, deeply set out from that moment to figure it out. But, you know, I, I was, you know, I'm not sure if that's accurate or not because I wanted to know. It was always there. Okay, this is wonderful. But why? What did I do to to, to come to this place? Um, and so I'm going to begin seeking that. And. You know, life is going to be pretty good until the day I kind of actually get my answer. And the day I got my answer was going to be death. The day I got my answers to the why was not going to create greater life. It wasn't going to provide greater answers in my life. It was actually going to be death. And it was going to provide, it was going to take a lot of love I had for others. And a lot of the good things God was doing was going to immediately stop because um, I had my why. And I'll explain what I mean that later. Later we're going to talk about... um, Adam and Eve in the garden and the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and what that really entailed. And um, I'll, I'll kind of relay then how that relates to what, you know, me searching for a why and the problem when God gave me an answer. But it was going to be several years later before I was going to have my answer. Um, now, one of the reasons I was searching for an answer um, actually had to do with, because this was so good inside me, <laughs> it was so wonderful. And, um, and I'll, I'll tell you how wonderful it was, okay? You know, you remember me telling you about the guy who hoped for heaven, who always, I mean, my life was always looking over the horizon. It was like, I was like, we can get through this life. Then the world to come begins. Yes, yes, yes. And I was always looking forward to that. I mean, it was always a part of my life. Um, And, and to, you know, there were lesser degrees when it wasn't like quite, I was kind of living in this world. But the majority of my life was always like, hey, I don't mind getting through this world and get to the world to come. But, and I never, ever entertained the idea of scripture, um, you know, the millennial reign, a thousand year reign in Revelation, it never crossed my mind that that could have been anything other than reality. I thought there was going to be a real time Jesus comes to the earth and there's a real thousand year reign of, uh, of a new era that was yet to come. And it never really crossed my mind that that could be anything other than literal. But so good was this happening in my heart, my life. I finally, one day it dawned on me, oh, Jason, you're not really looking for the world to come, are you anymore? You could live in this world because this is so good. What is inside you? Life is in here, you right now. This is so good that I realized maybe this is technically the thousand year reign. And I thought maybe Satan's bound by because, you know, the power of sin is no longer holding me and the spirit of God is leading me. And it was so good was that season of life. That I actually thought maybe the thousand year reign, this is actually it. And um, that it was allegorical. And that was the first, I mean, that was the very, I guess, earliest times of seeing something in scripture as maybe a picture that I always thought was literal. 
um, and to see it, oh, that may not be literal. And uh, I didn't go real far in my thoughts with it, but it was certainly an idea that crossed my mind. And I'm only telling you that to let you know, to not um, you know, go into the thousand-year reign, what that really means, but to just share with you, that is how good, that is how wonderful this change was. It's I no longer was looking for a world to come because where I was at, the life that was in me was something that stayed with me, abided, and my life became a very, very pleasant life, and it was going, I was going to abide in this pleasant place for many, many, many months, um, and so um, so the, the, the only big thing that would happen next would be, um, immediately would be, um, oh, you know what, I think I'm starting to tell you something, and I, I got off pace here, but um, I guess let me tell you why I really needed to know the why. One of the reasons was because in the midst of reading scripture, you know, we grew up as Simba's God. There's no such thing in the the doctrine of a predestination election doesn't really exist in there. Um, they would be called, oh, forgive me for not knowing terms here. You have what's called Calvinist and then you have, I think, Arminians. Um, Calvinists believe that, you know, people who are saved, you know, and, and their definition, definition of salvation is, you know, you go to hell eternal torment or heaven eternal bliss and uh, so the dividing line between that is really god's choice it has nothing to do with anything man did it was totally god's choice and so it's predetermined before the world began some people are just destined to go to hell from the start and other people are destined to um, go to heaven and um to, I, first time i'd encountered that doctrine i think i was talking to actually maybe uh pastor lowell and I never really understood the terms. He explained it. I'm like, seriously? Who would believe that nonsense? Like, you know, this is all about our choice. It's all about us making the choice. And well, how ridiculous is that? Well, I start reading scripture for myself. And all of a sudden, I'm encountered with just this idea that, ooh, wait, how do I, you know, it sure seems like God is saying, you know, he does the choosing here. Now, this was, um, I, in my heart, for some reason, was excited about the prospect of that. I, I'm not sure why. I think it was because it's, wow, this is Jason. You're actually known by God. You're chosen by God. He specifically chose you. It wasn't like I was looking towards a negative aspect. I wasn't thinking, well, haha, all those people then are destined to hell. That wasn't really at the forefront of my mind. It was just, wow, how awesome it is. No, you, you were chosen by God. You were elected. You were, he picked you out intentionally. Um, and, and so it gave a source of just great joy once I started to see the possibility of that doctrine. But it was joyful until one night I was laying in bed and all of a sudden the joy I had became terror as I started. I thought of my, you know, because I did think that ultimately the outcome would be either eternal bliss or eternal torment in hell. And all of a sudden I thought about my wife laying beside me and my, my two kids that were um, down below in the rooms in the uh, lower part of the house. And I thought, but what if they're not elect? And all of a sudden, the idea of election was no more. You know, I, I hated that. I didn't really like that idea anymore. I liked to know. I wanted to know, what did I do? What did I do? I got to make sure, you know, I figure this out so that my, I can pass this information on to my wife and my children. Make sure, you know, we all have a formula. We got the formula right. I wanted to know that there was a formula, that there was something I did that, that, um, that made this, you know, come to pass. Um, and so that, that was a big motivator as well. That was always kind of in the back of my mind as I'm seeking scripture. It's, I want to know the why. I want to know why. I want to know that God is, you know, wouldn't just send people to hell randomly just by choosing. I want to know that there was a real motivation uh, for his, <laughs> uh, for, for the, for his choice. 
Um, and so that's going to kind of motivate me to be searching for a why. But anyway about it, uh, my searching for the why was something, it had to be, it was a part of my journey. So it's not like we can say um, that, you know, God was surprised by it, God was disappointed by it. But it was going to ultimately bring some very bad fruit into my life, in which then God was going to have to save me from that bad fruit by starting to really show me the truth of who he was and, and what he was really trying to accomplish. Um, so anyway, just a little heads up there, just in case, you know, the idea of predestination or election or um, you know, those terms are scary to you. You know, the, 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 the truth of it is it is a reality in Scripture. God already knows they're foreordained who's going to be saved, who's not. All right. You, there, there's no way this story can work without it. Uh, it's essential to a person's salvation to know that. But here's the beauty of it. Okay, the end result is not, it's not actually based on, um, I'm not going to tell you what it is or what it's not based on. I promise you it's totally fair, it's totally in love, it's totally good. But the end result is those who are not elect, folks, there's no lake of fire. I know, I know your brain's not going to, I'm not expecting you to accept that if you are diligently something, a doctrine you're committed to. All I can tell you, um, I, I, I find great joy, great pleasure in knowing that it's simply, this world is about a choice in a way. It's about a pl- God able to, um, kind of sift out and say, who wants this thing? It's simply him offering an incredible, incredible gift. And those who say no, then God goes, okay, not not a problem at all. Um, I just needed to make sure. I really wanted to give this to you. And so therefore, their end result is going to be death, but it's not going to be um, eternal torment. It's not, God's not going to punish. He has no anger to say, well, I've got to pay you back because you, you know, you didn't take advantage of what I had for you. He has no ego here, folks. He has nothing... Um, there's nothing in him like that. So the idea there's going to be some conscious in, I can't say there can't be some sort of uh, reconciliation for men, for the wicked things they do. Um, but at the same time, it really seems highly unlikely knowing what I know. I don't think, um, I certainly don't believe in an internal, I, I believe whatever would happen to a man, he would know was totally fair. He would not be angry at his God in any way. He would not be hating his God. Uh, he would understand what was taking place. But uh, you can take great comfort, okay? You don't have to be afraid of the doctrine of predestination, election. It's not Calvinism. Forget Calvinism. He has nothing to do with this. Um, they, they, to believe that a, a God's going to just choose randomly and send one person to heaven, another person to eternal torment just uh, by his choice, um, I, I'll pass on that God any day of the week, okay? Um, no thanks. I, I have no interest in him. But um, But at the same time, um, just, you know, just, um, just understand that it, it's uh, as much if, if God can allow this to, you know, give you any peace, that, that that's not the end result. That's not God's goal. There, the, the, the lake of fire is a promise. It's a promise of what God's going to destroy in us, the ugly things that God's going to work out of us so he can have a purified uh, people who really know him. It's everything in us that's really not part of the knowledge of God. It's not really understanding who he is. He's going to burn all that out. So that's what's left is a people who do understand, who do see who he is, who understand his love, who understand his goodness, his kindness, and his great love towards us. And so we never doubt his love towards us. And so therefore we walk in a liberty, um, that, in a love that is just like his liberty and love that he experiences. Uh, we'll, we'll explain all this later. I know I'm throwing a lot in there. Don't worry. You don't got to understand this just yet. Uh, we, we'll, we'll get to uh, where we're going. Um, anyway, so in my life though, the next steps are going to be, you know, I am going to end up, uh, it was a Sunday after that revelation from Romans eight, probably maybe the next Sunday or the Sunday after I remember being in my office in between, uh, more afternoon service and evening service. And just all of a sudden it was like, it, I knew it was done. I could not, I was like, I had to call my wife, I said, Karen, 
I'm going into his office right now. I've got to tell him that I'm done. And uh, it wasn't a choice. Okay. It wasn't like God was saying, you do this or else. It wasn't do this or else. It was a desire so strong. I couldn't say no to it. I would have been miserable. It was a hunger. I've got to get out of here. I've got to be done. And so, uh, and she wasn't quite, you know, like I said, she didn't understand all that was really happening in my life, but she finally like, okay. Um, and so <clears throat> hang up the phone and go knock on Lowell's door and, uh, pastor Lowell and let him know that, you know, we, we had talked about it briefly before, so it wasn't like a huge surprise and I let him know that I would be resigning. And, uh, and, and then after that step out of that and it was, uh, you know, I finished up one or two weeks, but it was after that was just, um, it was great, amazing load off my, oh, wow, what a load to no longer be under that pressure. And I really didn't care how much money I made after that or what I did, um, you know, I, I had some assurance. I mean, I didn't know what God was really going to do with me, where he was going to lead me to, but I, I wasn't really worried about the money and it didn't really matter. I'd rather have a little bit of financial stress than have the stress that was over me in that position that just was against my nature. It was against my true desire, uh, everything I had to do there. And um, and so if anybody's listening to this, who was a part of that life when I was there, listen, it wasn't like that bad. Um, it's not like a bad memory of something I, as far as people goes and relationships, not at all. It was just that work was not my kind of work. It was really, I was a duck out of water. I was trying to serve God who needed me to serve him um, in a way that wasn't natural to me. I was trying to please God, uh, even though I didn't really know who he was. And um, in, in some way, I was trying to please him with with and be, making myself acceptable to him um, through my own works and my own efforts. And, you know, he wasn't pleased with that. And therefore, there was no pleasure. There was no joy in what I was doing. So it was a great, you know, great joy to be able to finally resign that position. And then a little later, God's going to give me a, um, and it was God. He was going to open up a door for a city bus driving position. And um, and it's going to be an incredible uh, span of time that's going to take place um, in my life driving that bus and the way God's going to move me and the things, um, the way he's going to move me from one position to another within that um, city bus company. And um, and so, but anyway, I guess, you know, I'm pretty much in end off here with my story. We're just saying this was what happened next was, excuse me, what I just said. It was, I started seeking scripture with the spirit of God in me, with him now opening. It was amazing. I would read on the bus, anytime the bus would be parked and I have a few minutes waiting for it to start the next route. Boy, I'd have my Bible open. I had this little Bible, always reading, always reading. And man, it'd just be bam, bam, bam. There'd be one revelation given. And that would open up the Bible and make it a whole new book in light of that new revelation. Then I would read the book Bible in light of that new revelation. And then a new revelation would come over and over and over again. This was happening. Uh, a very intense, exciting time in my life. And it was all great, man. All that was flowing from me was love and goodness and, and life. And until the day came, my seeking brought me to the why. And then the why once I got my understanding kind of a God saying, well, yeah, this is what happened. And it was true. It destroyed me. Um, without, and I only see now, looking back, that it destroyed me. I felt the effects of the destruction. I didn't really acknowledge it or fully wasn't totally aware of it. But I can look back and clearly see the destruction that came because Jason essentially ate from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And it did not bring life. It did not bring the life I was hoping it was going to bring. It brought death. Um, and so I will tell you, you know, we'll, we'll, I will explain that. All right. I'm not going to be just cryptic here, just trying to assume, you know, what I'm speaking of. I know that that's um, not likely, uh, but we will get into that. And so um, 
So it's just essentially for the next few years, a whole lot of studying scripture, a whole lot of just the same old, same old. It was just um, go to work, read the Bible, come home. You know, I, I was so relaxed with my family. Those were such precious days with my wife and my children. Um, and it was just a very, um, there, there, there had to be a few hard encounters with family members and things like that after that because we made some choices that they weren't going to understand. Um and so we had a few, but other than that, I mean, it was just a very, it was going to be a very blessed season of life, um, for, for, um, a, a good while. And, uh, until essentially I ate from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. I didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't like I knew what I was doing and, and it's part of God's plan. It's just part of the story. It, it was, it was the logical step I had to make. And, uh, it was cause I feared God. It's cause I loved his pleasure. I loved knowing I was pleasing him and that enticed me cause I loved pleasing God. I, I, it was, you know, I wanted to know why, what did I do to please him? What, show me God, what pleases you? And, and it's finding that out doesn't bring greater life or greater pleasure to God. It brings you to death. It brings great condemnation. It leads you to a place of utter everything God is not. And, uh, and we will make sense out of that, okay? I will tell you uh, what this is all about. So sorry for rambling about things that may not be making a lot of sense at the moment. Um, and so I guess with this, we go ahead and um, that's pretty much my story of, and I know it long, took a while to get there. It will have a purpose, um, I, I do believe. I think it had to be provided, that story, because I'll pull back from it. I'll refer to it now of, of, what, um, of what came out of that. And uh, I wanted you to see my story of how, but understand this is the most important thing to know about all this. This was not Jason Holman. None of this was. This was not me by my will. This was not me by, by, by my wisdom. It was not me by my power. That was God. Every bit of it. He came in and put a, you know, talk about election, okay? And talk about the idea that God does randomly send people to a lake of fire. Okay, let me explain. You know, that should be so naturally offensive to anybody. That should turn you off and make you, in the natural, that's honestly going to make you hate. The, uh, if that's who God is, why would you want anything to do with a God like that, right? Um, and so I can see that in the natural. Even though it's still hard for me to say, it's like, it's like oh, I hate to admit that, you know, um, who are we to second-guess God? But of course we would second-guess God on something like that because we have a sense of what's good and what's not. And, and we know that would not be good. That would not be fair. That would be a terrible, monstrous, wicked, wicked, wicked thing for anybody to do. It doesn't matter if he's God. It doesn't give him the right to do something so wicked as that. That would not be a good God. That would be a wicked God. But here's the beauty of this. I, that's a God I was kind of serving for a little brief time in my life. And you know what? My heart was still drawn to him. My heart was, even though I ignorantly saw him in that way, I did not despise him. I did not, I should have saw him as a monster to run away from, and my heart kept running towards him. How is that possible? Well, it was possible because it wasn't me. It wasn't my spirit, my real natural desire at work. It was God's Holy Spirit in me, drawing me even to himself and, and pushing me towards him, pushing me toward his word, making, helping me to love him so I would listen to him. Because God had a place he wanted to take me to. That place was getting to know him and really find out who he is so that I could walk in an abundance of life you cannot even fathom. And so that, he had to have my attention. So he had to, even though in the natural, I would have hated this God. I would have ran from him. with, And that goes back, you know, to my earliest years. It's proof of God. God working in me even then. Here I did believe, you know, to some degree of a place called hell. 
And I believe that, you know, people would ultimately go there. I guess I, I could pass it off and blame people for it and maybe not hate God. But uh, ultimately, it didn't really matter. I just, I didn't hate God. I never in my entire life found God distasteful. And, and how is that even possible? This is a God that expected me to get up on Sunday mornings, get up, comb my hair and comb the rats out of my hair, put on uncomfortable clothes so that I can be, go to some stuffy building and hear things that I really had no interest in hearing about, performing all these duties because that's what it took, you know, to, to please him, to, that's what he needed from me. In my natural self, you know, I should have hated that God. And many kids do. Many kids do look and go, man, I want nothing to do with him. I never felt that. I never experienced any despising of God. I never felt if God had a rule or something that was a rule that was just sort of, you know, passed down, even if it was from tradition, um, a traditional belief of the the church we were in, whether it's not dancing, going to movies or not listening to rock and roll. Um, you know what? When if I obeyed those things <clears throat> and I can't say I didn't have a desire still to do them, but my obedience and not doing them was not grudgingly. I didn't hate the God. I didn't like, well, how come you never let us have fun? Never talked back to that God. Never thought he was unfair. Never thought anything that he was cruel by making us get up and go to this stuffy building on Sunday mornings. Never thought that. I somehow like this God. So how's that possible? You know, naturally, you're not going to like such a God as that. That's not natural. Um, and so, but the reason I liked him was because even then, at that age, in preparation for what he was doing in my life, he, by his spirit, not really with my permission just yet, but um, there would come a day where, you know, I would give him permission later on. And so it would validate everything he was already doing. So I'm very thankful he was already there. But he was even then making me by his spirit be drawn to him, getting me to listen, getting me bit by bit, to keep listening, to keep listening so he could speak more and more into my life. And um until he bring me to this place um, at age 29, May of 2003, and start to work. So it was all him, people. It was all him. Do not be condemned. If you're listening to me, say you're listening to me with, and I know I've said this before, but you're listening with real, actually, interest. And, and maybe your heart's not burning on fire, but you're interested. And yet, and yet at the same time, you do feel condemned. You feel like, man, Jason, that, that was really special. If you're believing me and you're going, that was really special what you're going through. The hand of God was really working in your life. Wow. And you feel, you know, just like, I don't, I can't relate to that. I, I don't, that's okay. Don't worry about that. All right. Um, cause, um, oh, this was, you know, it was not me. And, and even though it was, and yes, even though he was doing that from a child, I do believe it was very possibly for this point in time. God at this point now has you here. Okay. And here's the thing. Do not try to serve him out of condemnation. Do not, if he's in some way drawing your heart and you're going, I want to be a part of that. Okay. Make sure you're seeking. This is the biggest advice I can give you from this point. Make sure your seeking of God is according to desire. Let it always be according to um, where, you know, he, where you're feeling actually hungry to be. Now, there may be times and in the process that God will step back after he's brought you to a, you know, a certain good place and step back and say, make sure that you abide there by your own will, where you may not be hungry for a while, but you have a choice of your staying put or going back to your old life. And God's going to watch you to see. He wants to know, will you stay there and not move and wait for him to come and move again? Just because he needs to know, do I have your permission? Um, but just, you know, you can't, like I say, you're not going to be able to fabricate this. You're not going to be, this will be all of God. And, um, and, and so 
don't try to approach him with condemnation. Don't try to approach him because you, you heard my story and you want to try to mimic it. Don't do that. Let him lead you. Let him, and he will do so. If it's truly your desire, if this is truly, at the end of all, he, he sees the end result. He knows that you would either, yes, follow him to the end, or you would say, no, you know what? I'd rather just you know do it my way. He, he already knows. Um, and so just you know, leave it in his hands. Be patient and let God lead you by desire. But when he does start to lead, then pay attention to that, okay? Don't despise. Once desire comes and once he begins to really... Um, through his spirit, work into your life. Don't be careful with it. Guard it. Treat that as very precious. Um, I, this, but, um, but don't worry about coming to him out of condemnation. You'll never bear fruit coming to him trying to escape some condemnation. Don't, don't leave that alone. If that's your motive, if that's your, what's motivating you to seek after him, stop it right now. Quit trying to escape condemnation. Uh, make sure that your approaching of him is because you see him as good or you see the hope. And maybe it won't even be him, actually, you see as good. But when he later, he's going to reveal the hope. In my next episodes, I'm going to start telling you the hope of God. And if he lights a fire in your heart to where you actually hear what I'm telling you God is offering and what God is promising, it's okay that you can't see him as good. He'll accept it if you can actually see the hope he's offering as good and believe that. He's going to say good enough, and he's going to work in you all that needs worked, okay? So um, so anyway, let's um, go ahead and sign off here so we can get ready to start moving in to um, the next sessions here. And this is uh, very exciting, but it's very daunting because now that I'm actually here, I realize um, now I got to sit down and actually kind of write out a few things. I got to make sure I really know where I'm going and really can, um, explain this. And, uh, it's quite a little more daunting task up to now. This was all, you know, just flowing out of me naturally. And so the next session sections, I really need to kind of make sure I know where I'm going and, uh, it'll be a little more, just a little more, slightly, a little bit more effort, but, um, God will, you know, he'll get us there. So, Thank you all for listening, um, and I um, will see you all at the next episode. Bye-bye.